Hi there, everybody. I just wanted to let everybody know that today's recording with L.A. Felt with Erie Insurance was a pre-recorded episode. We originally recorded this episode on May 13th of 2020. I hope you'll have a great time listening. Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another exciting et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, episode of FNO InsureTech. I am Rob Beller, one of and your I co-hosts. Am. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. I thought it, I thought it don't was take my a, turn. Don't take a pause to mean that I'm done. Well, I mean, you pause so often. I didn't know. I, okay. Ready? And I... Are you, re- are you ready? I'm ready. I'm Rob Beller, one of your hosts on this podcast, and with us today is none other than the one and only Lee Boyd. <laughs> Did I get it right? I certainly hope so. Seeing that <laughs> it's, your, it's your name, yeah. you should know what it is. Lee Boyd. I got it. Yeah. Lee Michael yep. Edward Boyd. Yep, it's it's as we call ourselves sometimes the FNO boys mm-hmm. coming to you for another exciting episode. And today's episode's particularly interesting. And I've been trying to think of an analogy, but I haven't come up with one. But sometimes, well, I had an experience with our okay. guest. Okay. So I'm at a conference. It's January of this year. It's the Symbility Conference in Miami, Florida. Really nice hotel. And there was a panel. And our guest was on the panel. They were going through the panel asking questions. And when they got to our guest, her answers and her insights and her stories were so intriguing and so good and so pertinent to what we do and what we talk about on our podcast. I just knew that we had to have her as a guest. So... A mutual friend introduced us, and I met our guest, who is Lorianne Feltz, more commonly known as L.A., and I said to her, it's a pleasure to meet you. I really enjoyed what you had to say on the panel. Would you please be on our podcast? To which she said, 100% maybe. <laughs> and Perhaps. Perhaps, yes. So we we pursued her and she was kind enough to do this. And what you'll find very interesting is this is the first time she's ever done a podcast. Well, I think this is a great podcast to uh, start with. I think if you're going to cut your teeth on any podcast, it may as well be FNO InsureTech. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Uh I think it's um, a low key, easy to, easy to do podcast. 
The thing is, is in the world we live in and the people that we talk to frequently, we've even had one guy tell us that he'd done 150 podcasts. Remember that yeah, guest? I, I do. That's a lot of podcasts. That's a lot of podcasts. So to have, to have a podcast newbie is exciting and we have that today. But more importantly, you're going to love what LA has to say and what she has to talk about because her insights, her grasp of how to bring new ideas into an organization and how to maximize data I think will really impress you. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to speak with her. Very, very smart person. A lot of knowledge from quite a few years in the industry. And so I'm very excited to, to get down uh, to it and to visit with her. So rather than us jibber-jabbering around, we're going to jump into our terrific interview with L.A. Feltz, Executive Vice President of Claims and Customer Service at Erie Insurance. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our interview with a very special guest who we have been working uh, to make this happen for a long time, and she's generously found the space and time to uh, to be with us today, and that's Lorianne Feltz, more commonly known as L.A. Feltz from Erie Insurance. How are you doing, Lorianne? Welcome. There you go. Welcome. I said Lorianne. You did. You did. You did. And Rob and Lee, it's, it's so nice to, to chat with both of you. Um, we were, the first time I met Rob, we, we joked about the fact that the reason I go by LA is because my name's Lorianne, but everyone thinks it's Lorraine. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm LA Feltz, and I'm really pleased to be with both of you. I met Rob at at the end of January and we were all socially and physically connecting at that point at a conference. Yes, yep. And so I'm, I'm joining you from uh, the corner of my house. And I think that's probably, probably pretty common for everybody listening. Yes, it is. Is that in Erie, Pennsylvania? It is. We are uh, Erie insurance group is based in Erie. We're in the Northwest corner of PA. So uh, we have the battle of the Browns and the Steelers. Um, that's what we're most known for, I would uh, say. We are we're in about twelve states in DC. We have thirteen thousand licensed agencies in about twenty two hundred, or licensed agents, I should say, in about twenty two hundred agencies and about six thousand employees. So the last two months, with everything that's been happening with COVID nineteen, has certainly been a challenge to get everybody home. And I think that's probably something we can all relate to at this point. Sure, sure. Tremendous challenge with that many people. Are most of your operations located in the Erie area? Yeah, we're a regional carrier. So we're about 12 states and uh, the District of Columbia. And our largest base of employees is at our home office. And that's about 2,500 or so employees. The rest of our employees are spread out through those 12 states. You know, going into COVID, we had about a third of our employees who are already considered remote employees. Mm. So uh, getting the remainder of them, about 95% working remotely has, has been a huge focus for the last eight weeks or so. What about your agencies? Are they also remote? Yes. Yeah, so our agencies, um, as I mentioned, were about 2,200 agencies. Those are independent agents um, and they're spread out throughout our territories. The largest are Pennsylvania and Maryland, but really spread out throughout the 12 territories and our, our average agency on the smaller side might have four to six employees and, and up from there. 
So, you know, helping independent agencies figure out what this all means certainly has been an interesting challenge as well. We're very focused on making sure that uh, we're partnering with our agencies in, in what we're doing throughout this process. Wonderful. Let's uh, talk for a second about what you do at Erie. You're an executive vice president of claims and customer service. That's a pretty big title and a pretty large area that you cover. I mean, not just claims, but claims and customer service. Tell, give us a minute on, uh, on, on what you do at Erie. And then I'd like you to turn the corner and talk about your history there. Cause, cause, uh, you've had a lot of jobs at Erie. Sure. Um, you know, I, I guess you could also, if you looked at my resume, say I had a hard time keeping a job. Um, <laughs> I but- didn't want to say that LA. Okay. I was trying to help <laughs> okay. you here. Um, Yes, I I am uh, the Executive Vice President of Claims and Customer Service, and that really does encompass all of our claims operation, both corporate and field. It encompasses all of our service operations, everything from mail and document services to our customer care operations that are not involved with claims to processing, um, all of our, our processing operations, Um, as well as all of our contact centers. And um, that also, part of the role is also customer experience. But we really expanded that since I've taken on the role about three and a half years ago to what we call Erie experience, really looking at employee, our independent agent, and the customer experience and how those things are really blending because we see service blending. So I'm not your traditional claims leader um, in terms of having really claims as the the main part of my operation, we're preparing for what we see as a blended service model. And that's really why my role includes not only um, the claims operation, but all of service and all of experience, including employee and agent experience. I've been in the, with Erie since um, 1989 or about 31 years next week. So I'm not sure which makes me sound younger or older. I try both. Really what we're seeing is is just the, the future of service being a blended service model, and that's how we're approaching it. Well, that's really interesting because I know that you, you guys are kind of extraordinary, and I'm going to blend, speaking of blend, I'm going to blend this together. Between property and auto, you're like number 10 in the country, but you're only in 12 states. So that must mean that your penetration in those areas is significant to rank so high in size. Yeah, it is. As, as you said, it, it's both an opportunity and a challenge. Uh, but what we're really proud of is our partnership with our independent agents. Um, we are still placing a big bet on, on the local independent agent. And what we're really proud of is that more than 60% of our agents have about 75% or more of their direct written premium with us. Um, and even more importantly, more than 50% of their new D- DWP comes to us. So even in the really large agencies with whom we partner, uh, we have a a pretty large share of their wallet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a huge component of of what we do and why we do it. And uh, we're really proud of our our partnership with our Erie agents. When I saw you speak, you spoke about a a topic that I found very interesting. um, And that was human touch in the digital age. And I think that's a critical question, particularly, as you know, I mean, we talk a lot about insure tech and we talk a lot to insure techs on our podcast. Often we talk about the complication and the difficulty of dealing with technology 
in a world that's traditionally been very relationship oriented, the insurance business with, with their customers. And so let's talk for a few minutes about human touch in the digital age. Well, you know, it's interesting the way you ask the question because, you know, dealing with technology, I think is one way we can look at it. And certainly, what are we now? More than four decades of how carriers um, deal with technology. When we think about even the very early policy management systems, right? Or is it the opportunity that technology presents to us? And I think that's why there's a differentiation between when we talk about, say, technology around automating, right? We're all looking to drive out cost, for instance, right. uh, versus insure tech, which is a term that hasn't really been around that long. And when I think about insure tech, uh, it still is very technology based, yet it's around solutions. And so carriers have to think about what are the solutions that fit for us? So you mentioned challenges, and one of the challenges is, you know, I can open up my email and have 30 emails before 8 a.m. asking for 20 to 30 minutes of my time. <laughs> and all of it, right, all of us get those emails. Uh-huh. And there's a tremendous amount of value in what's happening in the insure tech space. I think for carriers, our challenge is, what are our objectives? What are the solutions that we're seeking And what are the problems we're trying to solve? So I really don't want someone to try and solve problems that don't exist for me or for my company, my customers, my agents, my employees. What are the problems and objectives that we're trying to match up with in InsureTech? And so I think, you know, just touching on on that InsureTech piece, I would say that's really probably our biggest challenge. You told a story about a, an insure tech that kind of blew your socks off, right? The Chewy story. Can, can you share that and how that affected you and your outlook about technology and, and customer service? Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's funny because I'm, I'm talking about a company that has absolutely nothing to do with insurance in terms of a story that I told once to a group that has somewhat taken fire. And Rob, you heard me talk about it a little bit at the conference we were at in mm-hmm. January, right? Right, yes. Yeah. So part of the reason that that I told this story to a pretty large audience was that we were actually being faced with employees thinking about, well, wait a minute, isn't some of the technology or the digital capability that we're talking about in the industry potentially going to take away from the human touch? It, it was something that as we were really working on our next two to three year roadmaps and, and thinking about the technology that we were implementing, um, it, it became a barrier. We would be sitting in meetings and, and really working on things that were very important to us. And you could see and sense people having a concern about digital taking away from the human touch or especially data taking away from the human touch. Right. Right. So I don't know, maybe before I tell the story, have, have either of you faced that, heard that? Is is that something that you, you're finding is common? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's always a big struggle that we have whenever you want to bring in new technologies or even new workflows. Uh, people are, you know, people are nervous that how, how will it affect them and how will it affect their jobs? And yeah, it's a very, very big, important question. 
Absolutely. And, you know, employees are, are worried about it. Our independent agents are worried about it, their value in their local communities. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm sure customers are worried about it as well. Right. We've all had instances where we tried to use technology and it hasn't been a, a satisfying experience. And so the last thing we want is for our customers experience to be diminished by digital capabilities. So I, the story that I shared and I, I watched like a breakthrough happen in the audience. Um, and so sometimes sometimes you get lucky. Right. Um, but, you know, I have a, a senior rescue. Her name is Winnie. She may bark in the background since we're all working remotely. Um, but when I rescued her, she had serious health issues. She'd been severely abused. And my vet steered me in the direction of a company called Chewy.com. And I started with them because of price and convenience at the recommendation of my vet. It was all about having her prescriptions and food on my front doorstep at a very low cost compared to what I could have gotten from the vet. And then I had a, an issue and it was a packaging issue. And since mail is part of my responsibility, I thought I'd let Chewy know about it. I didn't ask them for any response whatsoever. It was just basically, hey, here's what happened. Thought you might want to know. You can prevent it from happening again. Less than five minutes later, I had another large bag of dog food delivered to my house. Um, well, on the way, they were telling me it was on the way to my house. And not only were they doing that, but they asked me to take the damaged bag, 50 pounds of food that was broken all over my uh, entryway, which of course made Winnie very happy, um, mm -hmm. but take that and donate it to my local dog shelter. It's oh, like, wow. oh my gosh, how to get to the heart of a dog lover, right? <laughs> and then they also encouraged me to take pictures of Winnie and post it on their Facebook page because they were running a holiday contest. And uh, in addition to that, they knew details about me and about Winnie. And they told us to have a waggingly good day. It was just this amazing customer experience. And all of it happened digitally. They didn't ask me any questions. I hadn't told them my dog's name when I sent the message to them. It was just this experience of they personalized it to me and even better to my dog. Yeah. And they hit at the heart of things that were important to me, but it didn't happen face-to-face -face and it didn't happen by phone. And it encouraged me then to do things like tell this story to an audience of people to help them understand that data and digital capabilities can enhance the personal touch. It doesn't have to take away from it. So is that is that something you're trying to really push there at, at Erie, trying to take this story and make the digital touch very personable and, and human? It is. You know, I think, and, and this is something that we talked about in January when I met Rob, you know, when people think about digital and automation, so often we're thinking about it as a cost play, right? Right. Yeah. And it for sure it is because we're all worried about expense. It goes straight to our competitive position. So our, our customers should be worried about our expense as well. Our agents are worried about expense and their profit margins. And, you know, my company's been around 95 years. I want to ensure that we have another 95 for our employees, for our agents, and for our customers. However, we can't think of it as just cost because there is a way to drive down cost and create scale at the same time that we can improve experience. So our philosophy is those kinds of things that are going to 
drive down cost, but make the experience work, that's just totally out of scope. What we're seeking to do is create scale and scope and efficiency and all of those things, but also do it for our customers and for our agents. And one of the ways you do that is by also making the employee's job easier. And data and automation does that. So it's really taking away the manual work. It's taking away the things that are non-value add and putting the things in the hands of employees to give them the ability to do an amazing job and to do it in a way that's easier for them. So they can make judgment-based decisions? Well, think about, Rob, when we talk about the blending of service, right? Um, Our customer care team, uh, while they're not underwriters, they make underwriting decisions all the time. Um, We give them the ability, for instance, to extend payment dates. They look at the customer in a 360 view and they make those decisions. They don't have to call an underwriter. Um, That's a judgment-based decision. And we feel as though it's going to, it will take more time to make those decisions. Our calls will take longer, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's a reason they should take longer. And that's because we're delivering the human touch. And when we can drive out things like, um, having to authenticate verbally, for instance, you know, we've all called and had to repeat the same information multiple times. That's not a great customer experience. If automation can take that away, it makes the customer experience better. Guess what? It makes the employee experience better too. Yeah, you uh, gave an example of somebody had an accident and they called in and using data kind of empathetically during that accident call. Did I get that right? You know, I think that's one of, I would say, one of the most common things that happens. You know, when you're calling and you've just been in an accident, even if it's just a fender bender, it may be the only time that ever happens to you. And if we have to go through the authentication process and verify phone numbers and and ask a lot of those kinds of questions before we ask, how are you? And, and how was everybody in the vehicle? You know, if we actually know the names of your kids and can say, Hey, were, were your children in the vehicle with you? How's everybody doing? And do all of that before we have to start taking facts that the empathy that we're displaying is real. And our, our teams want to display that empathy And so if we can use technology to give them the view of the customer so that they can have that kind of a conversation is so much better for the customer and and better for the employee too. Have uh, you done any research to see if the improved customer relationship is leading to an increase in renewals? Is that anything you have looked at? We do. We have a pretty robust voice of customer platform. Uh, We upgraded it within the last year and we measure voice of customer. We also measure voice of agent. We're measuring voice of employee and working to bring those things together. And then uh, using the math to look at how that relates to retention rate. Uh, We have a a very high retention rate in the industry. um, So we're very proud of that, but getting to the data and the analytics around how we get there is as important as what the actual results are so that we can do more of the how. Right. I would assume that that the customer relationship you have with the agents is equally as important uh, as the insured themselves because you've got to be able to be responsive to the agents. Am I right? Absolutely. Uh, we consider our agents our business partners and Um, While they are independent agents, we have a very close relationship 
to the point that we have um, a, what we call a combined task force. And there are uh, five task forces that we work with all year round on various topics. Um, and we have one agent from every branch in our operation on each of those task forces. They each serve a three-year term. And we spend a, an incredible amount of time with them talking about not only what's happening in their agencies, um, but what's happening with their customers. And so we really involve them in our decision-making process. And uh, we bring all of them together once a year. So actually right now with the current um, COVID-19 situation, we're talking about how can we do that virtually in July? Because there's, there's no way we want to cancel the July session because that's when we're bringing everybody together. Yeah. And so it's a really important part of our decision-making process. I'm also interested in how innovation is driven at Erie. To get back to the Chewy story, so you have this experience, which I'm sure was, you know, exciting and maybe even an epiphany of sorts. And you, you want to take some of that new experience and knowledge back with you into your organization. What processes do you follow? Is, is it a technology-oriented thing? How do you take your great new ideas or exciting insights and bring them into the org? We do have an innovation team, Rob Shore. That that's definitely something that, you know, I think we would be remiss if we didn't have a team that was focusing on innovation. I think the challenge for us is what's core innovation, what's adjacent innovation, who owns those things? Because our company has been an organization, so our, our founder called us very early on a pioneer in the insurance world. And, and that's something that resonates throughout the operation. And so how do we respect the core innovation that's happening in all parts of our business, yet give teams of people or our innovation team the ability to look at things in a different way? I think it's especially important, you know, technology decisions used to be, and, and maybe we'll get back a little bit to your insure tech question, you know. 10, 15 years ago, when we were making technology decisions, they were 10 or 15 year decisions, right? Yeah. The life cycle of technology was really long. So yeah. you could afford a year analysis and maybe a year POC and two years of implementation. The technology life cycle is shortening so quickly. How do we make good, quick decisions and move on implementing? And so we're working on finding the balance between innovation and our core team's being responsible for innovation, as well as a small innovation team also driving innovation? And then how do those areas work together? One of the interesting things about Erie is that you guys have a culture that supports innovative, customer-centric thinking. It's not just about, can we find tools that can help take us there? You guys are already there. Philosophically, right. Absolutely. We're already there. We've been very, I guess I would say inside out mm -hmm. um, and we're embracing more of the outside in. Uh, but even with, and, and Rob, this would be something you would remember. So the concept of what we're calling the gateway um, is something that about eight, nine years ago was somewhat of a dream of mine. And, and we weren't calling it the gateway then. It was a concept but it was about how do we take all of the systems that our employees have to access to service even a simple phone call. And when I say simple, I would say 
you know, make a payment is a really good example mm-hmm. for a customer to make a payment with a customer care representative or customer care advocate that can require eight to 10 screens in a minimum of four to five platforms. Right. So what we've done in the last year and a half was we took a, a team of people. We asked for volunteers of the 180 employees in that team, 80 of them volunteered and they helped us design what we're calling the gateway. And the gateway is taking all of that information from those different systems and platforms and putting them in one place and helping to simplify the call so that the employee has at their fingertips the information that they need for the vast majority of our phone calls, which reduces dramatically the amount of effort they have to put forward to help the customer with what they need. Not only does it reduce the time that they're on the phone, it makes the call so much more seamless And it enables the employee to be able to service the customer. And what was incredibly exciting was the employees were designing it to help themselves. Mm -hmm. But through the entire process, they were thinking about how to help the customer. And so when we think about innovation, we basically said to a group of people here, we'd love you to work with this on us, work with us on this, I should say. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if this doesn't work, but we're going to try it. And it has been an incredible success to the point that now we're rolling it out to other parts of the company. That's really cool. And that's one of the things that I've found in my experience in dealing with Erie, just a little bit that we have, is that you strike me as very intelligent, that you use common sense and that you kind of know what you're after, even if you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. That, that actually reminds me of a saying that somebody that I, I really respect who said, you know, sometimes when you're everywhere, you're nowhere. Yeah. I like and that. so focus, especially, you know, in, in the times where technology is moving so quickly and there's so much for us to think about is what is our focus? Uh, I think that that's where we've really tried to make sure we kept discipline is our focus because you can be innovative and be focused. The two don't have to be separate from one another. No, in fact, I dare say the more focused you are, the better you can be at innovating. But definitely, you know, I think, you know, every company is talking about things like straight through processing and claims, all of the predictive analytics around preferred method of inspection, the rules that we have for what can be desk adjusted versus what can be field adjusted. The last eight weeks, we've tested all of those things to degrees we never even imagined. And so that that was an incredible challenge. And yet it's also an incredible opportunity to think that we as an industry have been put in a position to test some of these ideas and do it in a way that was on the spot and really quick. And how do we make those decisions quickly and yet still make sure that our service is at the exceptional level that it needs to be. Um, So, you know, there are a lot of things that this last eight weeks, I think, that has taught us about innovation. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the COVID-19 is that all insurance carriers were kind of on a level playing field. So everyone was pushed out to try these new technologies. I mean, how's that work for you? Has it it been stressful? Has it gone okay? You know, it's all of those things, right? Uh, we're actually doing. Um, <laughs> right, right. It is. It's all of, all those of things. the above. We're doing, 
Sure. All of the above. Um, yeah, last week and this week, we started doing what we're calling pulse surveys of the employees to actually answer that question from the employee perspective. Because, you know, certainly I can and talk about talk about how from from my seat for six weeks, it was every day, 5 a.m. to midnight, sleep, get back up, make more in life and death decisions. And and it, it didn't stop on the weekends either. And so a lot happened, a lot happened really quickly. The, to me, what has been incredibly heartening has been from the employee perspective, the reaction of employees to pulling together and understanding, look, this is really important for us to get this done and we're going to get it done has been absolutely amazing. Our independent agents as well, we spent a lot of time in MS Teams meetings with them talking about how this affects them and what we should do next and how to make sure they have what they need as well. So definitely highest level of stress that I think I've experienced in my 31 years. On the other hand, also kind of highest level of, of seeing people pull together and take care of our customers too. Right. I was on a, a webinar where I heard a chief claim officer at a major company, company your size, say that COVID-19 hasn't changed our digital strategy. It's hastened it. It has sped it up. I thought that that was kind of an interesting insight. Would you agree with that, that because of the limitations brought by COVID-19, it's forced your hands into processes that maybe you would only have very, very slowly tried in the past, but now you just had to do it because we, we live in a new reality. Definitely understand that perspective. I might put a, a slight twist on it. Please. I would say that when I reflect on the last sort of three to five years of driving toward digital capabilities and, and sometimes, as we talked earlier, having to help people understand why we had to do it and how it would be the future for us, that if, if we hadn't done that, we could be in real trouble now. So, you know, we, for instance, set up an online account for customers. Seems very simple. We've had those for years with other kinds of businesses and the insurance industry, not something that was as prevalent until just a few years ago. And one of our challenges has been uh, getting customers to use their online account. Right? They don't deal with mm -hmm. us every day. However, in this situation, customers are signing up for our, their online accounts at an unprecedented rate. And so thank goodness that we as an industry recognized how important it was for us to have those capabilities because today our agents are, and customers are using them in ways that we hadn't, or not just ways, but in the amount and quantities that we hadn't imagined that they would. Are you surprised by that? Was it a little surprising? What was surprising, I think, to us was how quickly that happened, especially when you think so. So probably our customer base, the largest pay plan for a majority is in annual pay. Mm -hmm. So for us to see customer need on billing in such a rapid fashion just two to three weeks after states started issuing stay-at-home orders and to see people, their pickup rate of signing up for online accounts to check their billing, even though they had just paid, say, two months ago for a year. Those are some of the things that surprised us. And so we have a really robust tracking of calls, call types, call patterns across all service operations, social media monitoring that's live 24 by 7, 
Um, so the, the level of activity, I think, is what surprised us um, in terms of how quickly it happened, not that it happened. And that brings us to a question that I wanted to ask you because you, I think you have such good sight over the industry and such good depth of understanding of it. When you think about COVID-19, and I know it's been dizzying for you over the past, you know, two months since this has kind of exploded, but do you see those the, the changes carrying forward when we get back to, as one of our guests called it, the next normal? post-COVID, do you, do you think that COVID affects the insurance industry or your guys' business uh, on, on a level that's permanent? And, and if so, where would that be? Well, I, I think we could do a, a whole segment just on that. <laughs> <laughs> we got, hey, that's okay. We got nothing but time. Go on. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I, I have zero doubt that this is affecting us long-term. And so, you know, there certainly have been challenges and those challenges are, are things that we're going to have to think about going forward. But the, I think the amount of opportunity that comes out of this as well, uh, you know, there are certain roles, for instance, that we have said, you know, they probably shouldn't be remote. Um, this last eight weeks has challenged that thinking. Right. And so does that give us the opportunity for employees who do want to work remotely that previously haven't been able to? It's also given us a, a tremendous amount of flexibility in terms of some of the ways that we're handling claims, for instance, and how we're you know dealing with volumes that may happen in a territory when another territory is not having such a high volume, uh, just to cite a few examples. And so this is going to test, I think, every rule that we've had and the things that we've slowly been testing. Um, but there are also some things that we've lost. You know, when we have had everyone be remote in some of our contact centers, that means we no longer have call recording. Um, mm. Call recording for us is a boon of information to help us understand what our customers are saying and how they're feeling. To not right. have that is a big loss. And how do you overcome that? So those are the things that are going to challenge our thinking going forward and and help us adapt to how we're managing our business and how this this may change how we operate from here on forward. I think that it, ha it it's also had an impact on like what you were saying that you were surprised by the uptake in, 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 in some areas by your customers that our customers are maybe more digital than we gave them credit for before this. W would you agree with that? I think that in talking, because I spent a lot of my time talking to insurance executives about claims business because of what we do in our in our business. But I think that people have always been hesitant to think uh, their customers are really digitally adept. And I think that one of the things that many of have seen from this is, wow, <laughs> people are more adept than, we, than we've given them credit for. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think about the fact that for a long time, I think some businesses, our industry, um, the insurance industry has has fallen back on a little bit of, well, it's the millennials that want to be digital right. and right. that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, my dad's 82. And every morning I've got a text from him as to what he's doing and what he's up to for the day. And, you know, he, he FaceTimes the grandkids who live across the country. And, you know, 
I think that my nieces who are seven and nine know how to use technology in ways that I like, it's hard to even imagine that kids that age can, it's not generational. It's, it's not a matter of some people want to be digital. We have to understand that everybody wants to be digital in some way, shape or form. And it's our responsibility to make sure they have the capabilities to be in touch with us the way they want to be. Yeah. I think your, your example, your dad is perfect. Most everybody has the ability now to communicate effectively. And I, you, I put effectively in quotes through their phones or their computer. It's just that simple. I think that this is, this has been one of the big wake ups for the insurance industry. And, and I think that's one of the long-term effects is, is how, um, the insurance industry starts to integrate that knowledge more and more and more. And, and so what offerings look like, you know, going down the road and, and on the claim side, how it impacts, you know, even how claims are done. So we'll see. And you've been so generous and you've given us a lot of time today and so much information and good thinking, but there's just a, a one more question that we want to ask you that we, that we've been asking our guests during this COVID-19 period. And that is, of course, we have to acknowledge up front that COVID-19 is a, is a terrible tragedy for many people, uh, for many families in our country. But understanding that, what's a surprise that you've experienced as a result of COVID or something that has, has maybe given you pause to think as a result of the, the, the shared experience that we're having in, in our world right now? There's so much that has given pause. For me... It's incredibly encouraging the level of patience with which we've all treated one another. Even in, in you know, in scenarios like this, about 90 seconds ago, uh, when he started barking upstairs, um, you know, people, uh, people have, have their kids at home and everyone is dealing with such uh, incredible different personal situations just really, you know, we can all point to things in social media or on the news that feel incredibly frustrating. However, my personal experience has been that people have had a wonderful level of patience with everything that others are going through, including, you know, I think about, you know, conference calls and and last week I was on one and uh, one of the participants used her mom voice because all three of her kids walked into the office on a conference call. And, and now we know what her mom voice sounds like. Right. And before this, we were all so concerned about we can't have any noise in the background when we're on a conference yes. call. And that right. seems like a simple example. Right. But it is um, people have been incredibly patient and especially incredibly supportive of frontline workers, essential workers, I think about the videos that we see of, of people in New York city yes. at 7 PM. Right. So to mm-hmm. me, it's a, there is a, a coming together um, that, that I think shows that, that I prefer to look at that part of it um, compared to some of the things that, that have been negative. I love that. I think love that, that. I, think, I, love I that. think that's beautiful. And I agree with you. I had the experience you mentioned that my, my son, this is, now, weeks and weeks ago, I was talking to him one night. He lives in New York City. And one night at, at 7 o'clock, he said, Dad, I want you to hear something. And he ho- holds his phone out the window. And, you know, you I mean, people are applauding and screaming and, you know, for healthcare workers walking down the street. 
and it, it, it was a really beautiful thing. And I hope that since we've had to go through this, that there are some of these positives that stick with us societally post-COVID. I'm, I'm sure you feel the same. I do. It's, it's, I actually feel a little bit emotional about it. When I think about what our healthcare workers are having to do, I, I think it relates to our catastrophe team members. And we have weather who, you know, they're still going to homes and spending time with people who perhaps this is the worst thing that's ever happened to their biggest investment or to a business owner. We, you know, we had hail a few weeks ago come through one of our territories and our, our claims teams didn't miss a beat. They were, they were out there helping people. And so when I think about those things and what our industry does and why we're here, I, I do, I get a little bit emotional about it. It's, it's not the same as being a nurse or a doctor. And yet we're there when our customers need us for small problems and then literally things right. that are life-changing. And so I, having patience, I think is, is something that is it's just so incredibly important and inspiring. At a time like that, they are essential. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to think of doctors and nurses as essential, but people in our industry are essential, you know, when necessary. Absolutely. Our IT team spent an entire week around the clock, morning and night, getting the equipment out to individuals who were not set up to work at home. Um, you know, we had people working without breaks for days. Um, and they did it because it was important to them and and they were doing it for their coworkers. And so there are just so many examples of that kind of spirit. And I like to hang on to those. Well, listen, once again, we thank you so much for being with us. And it was worth the wait. Speaking of patience. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be patient with me when I got called into a board meeting <laughs> the last time we were scheduled for this. Uh, we got called into Board meeting right. And just so time. everybody in the audience knows, we, we get an email from LA that says, hey, listen, we're scheduled for today at whatever time it was, 9 a.m. And, and that's fine. I want you to know I'll be there. But I do have a board meeting that will be going on, but I won't go to the board meeting in order to be on the podcast. So <laughs> that was a wonderful yeah, offer. It was a, it was a small overlap and you <laughs> gave me you were graciously gave me the opportunity to I was a little panicked I got to admit. <laughs> well, no. We put that one in, in our FNO Hall of Fame, so we appreciate that. But listen, thank you and uh we'll yes, and someday somehow some way we'll we'll look forward to seeing you again. We'll definitely see each other in person. We just don't know when, right? <laughs> Thanks and, right. and and stay safe out there. Thanks to you too as well. When I saw L.A. speak at the Symbility Conference uh, in January, I was so impressed by her ability to find ideas that are, and um, concepts that are going on around her in the world and apply them to insurance. And so that's really why I wanted to have her on today to, to talk about that and just to get to know that person and and I thought she did great. Well, I'm very glad you did because it was it was a wonderful conversation and what a a well-spoken person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very very well-spoken. Mm -hmm. I I I enjoyed getting to visit with her and and uh, even there towards the end about, you know, you know, coming out of this covid thing, what is 
what's her takeaway? I mean, that was that was great. Yeah, yeah, patience, patience, uh, and and that's true. I mean, we've all seen that. Uh, I loved what she talked about, and we didn't get back to it. Unfortunately, we talked about it more offline as well. But the blending of services that she sees a day where services are all blended together, where 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 there's not underwriting and and claims and all these other things but but it's just one group so yeah. interesting yeah yeah it was it was i think the the future of insurance you know whenever you think about it, it it's it, that's exactly what it is it's about using the data and blending things together to to produce the best product mm-hmm. and um yeah i couldn't agree more like we said in in the podcast this is a really big company really mm-hmm. big yeah and she has a big job and and a, and a really big job and, and making a big impact and we know some of the people who work in her area and they all think very very highly of her and, and uh, after today we can certainly see why and we want to thank la for being with us and for making the time because she's to say that she's super busy is an understatement so we thank her so much for being with us And we'll look forward to next time. And we thank all of you for being with us and for listening to our crazy podcast. And I hope that you get some value out of it. And so we'll say to you what we say every time. And we mean it when we say goodbye, everybody.